Amen. Come on, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number four. And stand to your feet, if you will, in honor of the word of the Lord today. The Gospel of John, chapter number four. And we're going to read actually 14 verses. I know that sounds like an awful lot, but we're going to read a few this morning. John, John's Gospel, chapter number four. We'll begin reading in verse number one. Are you there? Say amen. 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 I love that. You guys can't cheat today. You got to look at your Bibles. Hallelujah. Amen. Can't look at the screen today. Either you know it or you don't know. I'm just teasing. Uh, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Hmm. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sinchar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Pray with me. Dear God in heaven, Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We, Father, magnify your name. We magnify your word this morning. Because, God, your word is truth, and that you said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. Your word, God, is our daily food, and, Father, we love your word. It set us free. It fills our innermost, uh, deepest hungers and urges, oh, God. Father, we thank you that you are the living water, and you are the bread of life. And God, we have come to sit right now quietly as children, Lord, to sit at your table that you might feed us today. Father, we are ready to eat today. And we need a good meal, a nourishing meal. We need a meal, God, that is fully nutritious and that will help us, Lord God, to, to stand firm in the journey that you have set before us. We love you today, God, and we magnify your name Lord, touch me, use me, fill me right now, and give the listeners a hearing ear and a hearing heart 
to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And God will give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in our Lord's presence. I am excited about this series because it is the bedrock to what Christians do. It is who we are. We are in a series entitled, When to Christ. Now, last week, we had taken a break from our series because we celebrated our anniversary service. And uh, once again, I want to thank everybody that participated in that. Uh, I thank God for what he's doing in your lives. So today, we want to uh, go back to our series, uh, When to Christ. Now, by way of review, because I know it's been a couple of weeks, let me kind of uh, uh, give you a review of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. The first thing we, we, we addressed and we established was the importance of making Christ and his mission the driving force behind everything that we do. In other words, we established that it's good to meet physical needs, that God expects us to give to the poor. God expects us to help the needy. God expects us to be a people who are givers, but we established that to simply just meet the physical need and not introduce Christ is incomplete. And so we reestablished the fact that, that in our uh, daily uh, routine of living our lives every day, that we make sure that we just not just do good things, but that we also talk about our great God. Can the church say amen to that? We talked about and we established a couple of weeks ago that Jesus is the bread of life. And what that simply means is that what people are hungry for, what people are thirsty for, that Jesus can fulfill it. Amen? That, that, that even if people don't realize that they need Jesus, how many you know they need Jesus? And so it is our responsibility as the people of God to ensure that we preach Christ. And that we let people know that Jesus is the, all the satisfaction that we will ever need on this side of a glory. And so we, we, we established the fact that we need to be a Jesus-centric people. That means that we can't be afraid. How, how many know that, that the devils that we're confronted with today requires people who are not afraid? Amen. It requires boldness. How many know that if we're going to turn this world around for Christ, how many know we have to be bold? Look at the neighbor and say, be bold. Y'all must talk back to me this morning. Say, be bold. bold. See, we have to be bold and we have to be relentless. Look at the neighbor and say, relentless. The kingdom of God suffer violence, but the violence take it by what? Force. That means that we cannot be timid because we love people too much. How many know the love got to be the motivation? How many know if you really love somebody, you'll go to the building. Come, don't look this way. Everybody look this way. Everybody look this way. How many know if you really love somebody and the building is on fire, you got a chance to save them, you're going to save them. Amen. How many know the love motivate us? Love inspires us to do what we do in the name of Jesus. So we established the fact also that a church that is not evangelizing is not growing. And let me say that again. A church that is not evangelizing is not growing. How many know that we need to get very comfortable? We need to be very comfortable having new faces around here all the time. And the church said what? Amen. 
We want to be comfortable with that. Why? Because every time there's a new face, there's an opportunity for God to do something amazing with us. Somebody hearing the gospel, somebody's life is being transformed. And so evangelizing and sharing our faith, hear me well, are you listening? Say amen. It must not be a laborious thing. How many, be honest with me, you know you're in the presence of the Lord, you better. How, how many know, when, 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 when I mention that we need to share our faith, how many of you get like really stupid excited? Mm-hmm, yeah. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. How many know something's wrong with that? Because watch this. The mission, the reason why we are still here sucking up God's air is because we are supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God in the earth. Are you hearing me? Every one of us. So the church primarily, listen to me, the church's primary, primary responsibility is not, hear me well, is not just to pad your pockets, not just to give you a great career, not just to make you so very, very happy. The church's primary function is to advance the cause of Christ in the earth. That's what we do. And, and, and evangelizing and sharing your faith should be like breathing. I mean, how hard is, you, is it for you to breathe right now? Oh, I'm going to show you this morning. It can be easy. I mean, no, we need to get excited about this. Look at the neighbor and say, you need to get excited. Because, see, I can see your face. Don't tell him this. Let me, let me do that. See, I can see your face. And I can see that you're struggling right now, but you got to come up. You must realize that nothing motivates the heart of God more. Nothing stares the heart of God more than seeing people get set free from sin, death, and hell. Are you listening to me? The whole reason why we're sitting here today is so that you and I can be equipped so that we can go out there and make a difference for Jesus. Make a difference. Look at neighbors, I got to make a difference. So then since evangelism then is our number one mission, this is what the church is about. Church is not about a country club. Church is not about just having given you something to do. How many of you can find something else to do on Sunday? I'll be the first one. I'm right. right. You're busy all week. You can find a whole lot. Some of you just asleep all day. But, yeah. but, but, but you can find some. But, but you know what? You know what stirred you, what got you up? Because you know that you have a call by God. You're called to greatness. You're called to get up. You're called to reach. You're called to be equipped. God wants to bless you. How many know God is in the blessing business? Listen, I say amen to that. God is in the blessing. God ain't got no problem blessing you. But you know, that's a byproduct of the larger vision. You see? See, what we get this thing mixed up, we think it's just all about God blessing me. That's the come am I being right about it. See, we think of it as, okay, God, it's all about God blessing me. God just, oh God, how you doing? I'm blessed in the Lord. Why? Because I got all this stuff. Because everything's just going right for me. But how many people have you thought about that may need Jesus right at your fingertips? That we never ever say, well, wait a minute, let me share with you. Oh, we're going to talk this morning. We're going to talk real good this morning. We're going to get blessed. How many of you know 
that we got to get, listen to me, we cannot afford ourselves to be, listen to me, comfortable. Are you still listening? Say amen. We cannot afford to let ourselves be comfortable just sharing, hear me, sharing our faith once a year, once every six months, or, or just when somebody asks us. How do you know the devil going to keep people quiet? If you're sitting there waiting, say, well, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share my faith when, when somebody asks me, how's that working for you? How many people come to you talking about, can you please tell me about Jesus? When the last time somebody walked up to you and said, hey, 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 can you tell me about Jesus? Has anybody, I'm just saying, maybe I'm just in the fantasy world. Has anybody, nobody, I mean, nobody come knocking at your door and say, can you please tell me about Jesus? See, the devil want to keep us, listen to me, he want to keep you quiet. Oh, pastor, oh, pastor, you don't understand, I'm so shy. Oh, pastor, you understand that I don't like to talk to people. Oh, pastor, you don't understand, I'm just not wired to share my faith. Let me see, how can I say this and stay, okay, baloney, how's that? Let me tell you something right now. It's a trick of the enemy. You can share your faith in a, in a unique way God wired you. Now, you may not can share it like me, but the way God wired you, you are supposed to open your mouth or maybe you say, Lord, take my vocal cords back. I know he gave, you can open your mouth. Everybody can say, Jesus save. Everybody say that with me, Jesus save. Jesus say, Jesus can help you. How hard was that? But the devil, all of a sudden, we want to try to advance the cause of the, uh, of the kingdom of God, and we just somehow expect, listen to me, just supernaturally, they're just going to just come in. Well, why did he, Jesus says how good and how wonderful it is that, 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 that the preachers preach the good news of the gospel. They bring great tidings of joy. When the, the feet of those that preach the gospel, the feet of those that are what? Preaching, 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 preaching the gospel. Well, you're the preacher. No, you're the preacher too. Every time, you, you, know, you know my old saying, that your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. I need a pulpit. Preach at an unbeliever. There's your pulpit right there in Jesus' name. So we got to look at this thing. We got to come to a place. My job, my assignment by the Holy Ghost today is to help us to get to a point where this becomes something that you look forward to. Amen. Did you say, you know what? <laughs> you can't ever go wrong preaching the love of Jesus. Well, pastor, what if they reject me? They ain't reject you. They reject him. So listen to me. I can be free. Paul said, I'm a fool for Christ. Has anybody ever felt like you were a fool for Jesus? Is anybody willing to be a fool for Jesus? I don't know about you. I'm willing to. I mean, what else I got? <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there is nothing else. Paul said, I'm a fool for Christ. So we need to be fools for Jesus. We need to realize, we need to, we need to understand what the purpose of this church thing is all about. Why we do what we do. Why do we set up tables? Why do I sit here and preach? Why do we got our connection stuff? Why do we got ushers? Why do we got media? Why are we doing all of this? Don't be duped. Don't get caught up in just doing the routine and the mundane and just doing the obligatory thing and not putting your heart into it, not understanding that there's divine purpose in everything that I do for the kingdom of God. Are you still with me? Amen. You still loving me this morning? Amen. How many know that salvation 
for most folks occur in the normal process of life. Buying groceries, exercising at the gym, doing some outdoor activity. I, I think I just about hit everybody on one of those. Amen. How many of you ever go outside? You go to your grocery shopping, right? Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. If you're being honest, when you came to Jesus, watch this. When you came to Jesus, you came by, it was just so normal. You know, more than likely, you didn't have an appointment with anybody. More than likely, you were just out just doing your thing, and all of a sudden, somebody got a hold of your ear. And somebody said, somebody sit down and they talked to you. You were in the normal process of your life. How do we know evangelism is most effective when you just do it as you go? See, the reason why people get all stressed out about evangelism is they think, oh, I got to add it on my schedule. How many of you ever thought that? I got to make time. And then when the, so I already, pastor, I'm already struggling with time. I mean, how many of you ever feel like there ain't enough hours in a day to accomplish what you need? Can I say this? You got the same amount of time everybody else got. <laughs> it's what you do with your time. But, but we all feel that way. And it's like, and the last thing you want to hear on Sunday morning, when your schedule is already packed, running kids to soccer games and sweet uh, swimming stuff and basketball and football, and sitting home, doing homework and, and trying to do all that. And pastor, you want to come sitting here. I've been battling 95 traffic all day long, it was a fender bender, and I've been sitting in this traffic for three hours, and it normally would take me less than four to five minutes, and you want to tell me, make time for evangelism? What's wrong with you, man? I'm helping y'all out. I know how you feel. But see, the title of my message today, did I tell you the title? I didn't tell you that. The title of my message today, I'm going to help, somebody's going to get help this morning, somebody. On the go evangelism. How do you like that? On the go. That, that sounds better? Today even got stores today. On the go, on the run, and, and you know, because it's tailor-made for you to be able to do it while you go. How many know that evangelism has never meant to be, listen to me, just a program or some activity? Are you listening? Say amen. Evangelism was meant to be incorporated into who you are. It's what I do. That's why I breathe. I mean, I just, whatever I do, I'm always, you know, it's kind of like windows, you know, like a, you know, in the back. How I many you know about, you know a little bit about internet? They have a, you know, you have your windows and then you have like this, this internet security, like Norton, for an example, McAfee, you know, like, like it's always working in the background, right? You can't see Norton working, but every now and then you get a little pop-up to say, I'm checking your stuff, your stuff is good. You see, how many know that as Christian, that evangelism got to always be working in the background? Always, some, every now and then something pop up and then bam, you know, always, always, always ready. So then this brings me to my text in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is an amazing, amazing chapter because Jesus illustrated what it really means to do on-the-go evangelism. So here it is. So let's look at some nuggets from this, from this particular passage of scripture. So, so Jesus is going to Judea, and he's going to Galilee, and he's about the Lord's work, he's about the Lord's business, and the Bible says that he has an encounter with the woman. Now, as far as we know, he has no knowledge of this woman. 
He didn't have uh, any information. He just simply was on a mission, and lo and behold, he ends up encountering this woman. And so Jesus himself, now hear this. So he demonstrated this. He was in a normal process of life. He didn't have to move his schedule around. Some of you think, I got to move my schedule around. He didn't have to move his schedule around. He was simply, he was out and about. He said, I got to go through Samaria. All right? And we'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment. But he's out and about, and he's just chilling out by the whale because he's tired. And he says, he sees this woman coming. And the first thing he says to himself is, opportunity. <laughs> oh, Jesus, opportunity. How many of you are looking for some opportunities? Amen. Mm. Amen. Jesus thinks opportunity. He don't think inconvenience. Oh, here comes this person that's getting on my nerves. <laughs> am I talking about, am I, am I meeting you where you at? Oh, he's not just thinking, oh, here we go. Jesus thinking, opportunity. So what did he do? He just, he's, he's just out, out. He's, he's tired. He's resting. He's resting. And, 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 and the scripture says that he needed, in verse number four, he needed to go to Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. How many know that when you are walking with God, that God will put something down in your spirit that said you need to go this way or you need to go that way? Has anybody ever, am I preaching to myself, have you ever like did something and you just felt in your spirit you had to do it, but you don't even know why, but I know I'm supposed to do this. Have you ever been going down the road and you thought to yourself, I normally go this way, but for some reason, I feel that. Amen. Has anybody ever felt that way? See, Jesus needed to go to Samaria because something in him. God, how many know that the Bible said the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And so Jesus, on the go evangelism, just kind of just, just on his way, doing his thing, and all of a sudden, an opportunity comes. Schedule didn't have to be moved. Nothing had to change. He just, on the way. I want you to think on the way. How many opportunities have we missed on the way? And we never saw it. We never saw it. I want you to think about it. Secondly, the Bible says Jesus... Look, look at verse number six. The Bible says, now Jacob's well was there and, and, and Jesus being wearied from his journey. Amen. Has anybody ever been tired? Yeah. The Bible says Jesus was wearied. In other words, he was tired. And what do you, what's the first thing you think about when you get tired? Do you want to be bothered when you get tired? I'm, not, I'm just being honest. Does anybody like to be bothered when you're tired? No. When you are tired, what do you want? Left alone, left behind. That's a new movie coming out, Left Behind, by the way. See, see, all of us have been there and done that. We've been tired. But Jesus, right, he, he's on the go, and, and even though he's by the well tired, and it's just like the analogy I gave you a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, many times I've been on the airplane, and, 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 I, and I'm tired. And somebody comes sit beside me, and they start talking. And, 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 and I know in my soul that I try to fight it, there's something here, there's an opportunity here, but I am tired. How many know, I understand we get tired, but how many know tired is never an excuse not to share your faith with somebody who needs it? 
How many know that, let me, can I be, let me be honest with you. Some of the grace, the, the best witnessing that I have done, this is what I found. You know that verse where Paul says, when I am weak, then I'm what? Strong? He says, I'm, I've learned that when I'm at my weakest point, that's when God's power kicks in. How many know you got to stop trusting in yourself? I've had some of my most profound encounters with people when I've been dog tired. I'm just being honest. I mean, a lot of people that I witness to, I mean, I've been tired. I've just been sitting and I've been didn't want to be bothered. And all of a sudden, bam, there's an opportunity. Jesus sit there and he said, here come this woman. And he could have said, you know what? I'm tired. I got still a long ways to go. I ain't talking to her. But you know what? He didn't do that, did he? He's looked at her. He said, woman, give me a drink. Now, he didn't say six-pack. He didn't say water. Everybody say water. water. Yeah, I qualify that. See, the Bible says, give drink. He said, give me a drink. Water. He talking about water. In other words, Jesus was even in his moment of weakness, he was still thinking. See, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Write it down because you're not going to have time to turn there. Paul says, I beat my body. I make my body my slave. How many know that when you're led by your flesh, you probably ain't going to get much done? Let me, let, me, let, me give you, let me help you with it. How many of you have went to work and you didn't want to go? How many of you, you know what I'm saying? But you go ahead and you do it anyway. How many times you had to leave the house to go to the grocery store, but you really didn't feel like going? But you went, didn't you? How many of you had to go to one more parent-teacher conference and you really felt like, I really don't want to go? But what happened? You get up and what? You go! How many know if we live by the dictates of our flesh, we'll never get anything accomplished? You got to beat, Paul said, I beat my flesh. There are some translations that I strike a blow at my flesh. Sometimes you got to beat your flesh back in order to get what God has for you. And sometimes you got to beat your flesh back in order to get somebody else to the point where they can get helped. And how many know if you don't like to be inconvenienced in the kingdom, you got to, I'm telling you, you're going to struggle in your faith. Can, can I be honest with you? Can we talk? I've been doing this for a lot of years, and God always inconveniences me. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest. I've discovered that, that the longer I walk with God, the more he inconveniences me. If you want to serve God when it's only convenient for you, you're going to have some problems. You're going to miss some opportunities. Let me know that there can't be two masters. Either he's going to be a master or you are. Can somebody say amen? Let amen. me know that when Jesus, a lot of times you look in the Bible when God showed up, he just showed up. I know Mary was about to get married. Am I right about it? You remember Mary? She's engaged to marry who? Joseph. I got plans. I'm getting married. We tell her, we send out the invitations. Everything is good. And all of a sudden, God show up. You pregnant. Hold up, hold up. Hold up. How am I? You're going to have a baby. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about? You just can't come bust up in here and just change my plans? He said, Mary, no, Mary, you understand. That thing in you, if you want, you, listen, you want God's glory, you're going to have to be inconvenienced. And, 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 and how many know that she, that Mary is blessed? But I probably bench out mention. I probably think that you know when it first happened, old girl probably was like, well, "Hold up, how am I going to explain this to old Joseph? I'm pregnant, honey, but I never slept with nobody." 
How many of you men with brothers would believe that? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. You're like, no, you are crazy, woman. See, God just, God just has a way of doing that. He has a way of showing up, inconveniencing you. But he comes to show up to bless you. How many of you know the biggest blessings, hear this, you don't hear this, listen, you hear, the biggest blessings, hear me, come through inconvenience. Write it down. And don't take my word for it. Just think about it. God's biggest blessing, some of his biggest moves oftentimes will inconvenience you. You're going to have to do something that you're not going to want to do. But you got to master your flesh. Amen. So Jesus didn't let his, he didn't let his flesh. He said, this woman need Jesus. And you know what? And I'm tired, but this is an opportunity. So I'm going for it. Look at the name and say, go for it. We got to go for it. See, then number three, watch this. Jesus wasn't limited, watch this, by prejudice and racism. I'm 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 gonna go deep a little bit. Can we go deep just a little bit? I'm gonna talk to us this morning. So Jesus had this opportunity. Now, now let me give you a little bit of information about the Samaritans and the Jews so you can understand the context by which the Jews and the Samaritans, they could not stand each other. Now, Now, the reason was is because the Assyrian army back in 1722 B.C., you remember when the children of Israel were taken captive? Y'all remember reading that in the Old Testament? That, that, that God kept saying, if y'all keep disobeying me, then, then, you know, then you're going to be taken away. And they were taken away to Babylon and the Syrians, all that. And what happened was when the children of Israel were taken away, many of them, they started, because they weren't supposed to intermarry with the folks there, okay? They were supposed to stay separate. This is what God's plan was for them then. And many of the Jews then start intermingling and start marrying with the Assyrians, which they have become known as the Samaritans. And so what happens is the Jews, the pure Jews, looked at, looked at the Samaritans at this time as half-breeds. They hated each other. Like, like you're dirty. Like, you, you just, uh, you connected with the enemy. You, you know, you just, you defiled yourself. And so oftentimes when the Jews, what they would do is, when, when they were going uh, from Judea to Galilee, and this is historic, historic, you don't have to take my word for it, go back and study yourself, that oftentimes that they would bypass Samaria, they would go around so that they just wouldn't have to deal with them people. I don't, I don't, I don't like them people because they're dirty, you know, they're not like me. How many know that if you're going to witness, if you're going to be a true witness for Christ, you need to get over your prejudice? I'm going to listen to me, listen to me. Black racism, white racism, when you come into the kingdom, let me tell you, can I be honest with you? When there was a time when I was in college, when I was out there talking about fight the power, you know, I was out there doing all, y'all remember that song? Okay, I'm good. Well, Pastor, you'll you'll understand. Oh, gosh. So, so you, you remember, you, you remember. So, so I was out there, you know, I remember the guys, you know, Hey, hey, I felt all that. I was there. I'm not suggesting at all that there's not prejudice, that there's not racism. I get it. You don't need to come lecture me and tell me, Pastor, but you don't understand. I do understand, but I understand that you've been called out of that. Amen. Let me tell you what. See, one of the first things that happened is that when I came into the kingdom, I had to let go of my prejudice. I don't care if you're white, black, Indian, Pakistanian, uh, Chinese. I will preach the gospel to you. I'm not, listen to me, I am not, there are too many people, I'm going to tell you, a lot of times we leave a lot of stuff on the table because we only share the gospel with people like us. 
Because I understand, and I know in this country there's been some deep racial divides. I get it. I'm not being insensitive to that. I'm not even saying they didn't exist. I'm just saying you got a higher purpose. And so if you're white sitting here, then you should not be sitting there thinking, well, I don't want to witness to them people. If you're black, you shouldn't be saying, well, I don't want to witness to them because they make me upset. I'm mad at them. How do we know that you need to let it go? Look at the neighbor and say, let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. Listen to me. There is no prejudice. How do we know God is not for racism? God is, the Bible said that out of one blood, he made what? All peoples. So why would God create all peoples and then tell you to hate some of them? He the one made them. <laughs> Are you hearing me? So listen to me. Whoever want to hear this good news, I'm going to preach it to them. And you know what? And I'm not going to be intimidated by how much money you got or how much education you got. Many of you who know me, I am not, I am not impressed. Because I'm sold out. I'm about as radical. I'm crazy like that. I, listen, I, when I jumped in this thing, I didn't jump in like this. I went all the way. And here's the thing, we got to come to a place where Jesus said, Jesus understood that the call, he understood, he understood, that's why the Bible says he needed to go to Samaria. I believe that there was an unction, that, 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 that there was something God, he, he knew he needed to go there because the rest of them, everybody else would bypass him. And, 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 and that's why the woman said, but why are you talking to me? Verse number nine, look at your verse nine in your Bible, because some of you looking like you don't believe it. So she asked the question, why are you talking to me? Because Jews... They don't really be dealing with no Samaritan people. So why are you talking to me? So not only were there cultural things, where the way that a woman interacted with a man back in those days, Jesus wasn't even supposed to be talking with her the way that he was talking to her. So that was number one. Number two, then Jesus makes it work. He's talking to a Samaritan woman, to, to them people. How do you know that in the kingdom there ain't no them people? How do you know God is a lover of all people? And if we're going to really be serious about evangelism, we got to let go of our hangups. And you need to listen to me. Put yourself on purpose in the neighborhood. Let me tell you something. When I first got out of my neighborhood, can I be honest with you? And I remember first, the first, because I grew up, I grew up where it was all brown and pretty. For those who don't understand what that means, I grew up in an all-black neighborhood. So I had little, very little exposure to anything that did not look like me. And I remember the first time I came to Fairfax County, I was like, wow, wow, wow. It took me, and I came, I came to the county in the kingdom, I just got to say. And God had to break down some barriers and some strongholds. And some of you, you still got them same strongholds. You've been saved 5, 10, 15, you still got the same strongholds. But how many of you know, if you're going to get to where God wants you to be and be really effective, you got to come to a place where, where you got to say, you know what? I am not going to let prejudice keep me from preaching this good news to you. I'm not going to do it. Prejudice has no part in the kingdom. None. No part, no shape, no form. We must get rid of that. Number four, everybody knows in verse number seven, Jesus initiated conversation. We said something about that earlier. What did he say to the woman? Give me a drink. I don't even know if Jesus ever, I don't even know if Jesus ever got that cup of water, by the way. <laughs> Probably a good chance he wasn't even really thirsty. <laughs> And Jesus see this woman and say, I mean, no, Jesus, is a, he's a God of purpose. See, I'll bake you some cookies, but understand, when you move in the neighborhood, I'm taking some cookies. I'm thinking something. I got an agenda. 
Oh, yes. Well, Pastor, but this just seems disingenuous. No, it's not. I love you. I want you to come to Jesus because if you don't have him, you will be lost for eternity. And listen to me. And so when I come bring you cookies, when I come cut your grass, when I come help you out, I'm coming with an agenda. But much love, may I add. But I want you to know Christ. See, Jesus had an agenda. How I many you know he said that way he saw this woman? He looked at her. He says, uh, give me a drink. Give me a drink. There you go. Who knows what she was thinking? Because, you know, this woman, she had a whole bunch of husbands, by the way. Amen. So who knows what she might have been thinking? I'm not saying. You know, nothing in the scripture say that, but she could have been all over the place. Because she was, you know, she had a lot of issues. I don't even know Jesus wants the folk that got issues. Amen. Do you hear me? Amen. People who got a lot of issues, that's good, because God can help them. So Jesus says, he initiated. He didn't just sit back and say, okay, watch this. Can you imagine if Jesus would just kind of sit back? Like, this is how some of us do it. Okay, here we go. Okay, here, here she comes, here she comes. Okay, Lord. Okay, here she comes. Father, in the name of Jesus, if this is really of you, let her speak to me. Let her speak to me. Oh, God, God, is this really, I think it's you. I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't I, 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 I confuse in my head, God. I, I, I don't know what you, Jesus. I'm, God, if this is really you, God, if this is you, let her speak to me. He walks away. Said, well, guess it wasn't a God. Oh, well. But. Y- y'all, y'all, y- can't, you, know, you know I'm just being honest with you, right? Amen. Jesus said, nah. See, on, in the kingdom, we need to think offense. We need to think, you know what? How many know that what we're dealing with today, we can't. Let me tell you something. Y'all know that the pressure, the church is getting squeezed. Do y'all realize the church is getting squeezed? Do y'all know at this coming some point in time? I'm just being honest. T- test it. You know, you can, you can see the ways. That, 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 that it's going to be hard for us to sit here and do what we do. Are you hearing me this morning? So that means that we got to be bold. You got to love people enough to say, give me a drink. Why are you asking me for a drink, boy? Because I got good news for you. See, y'all giving me a drink might be something as simple. Well, Pastor, how do I ask? Because I really have a problem with this initiation thing. I know I'm stretching some of you because you're thinking, man, I will never share my faith because that's too personal. You know what? If you got faith and it's too personal, then you need to re-up your faith. Your faith ain't too personal. Your faith that personal, you ain't sharing it. You need to say, go home and say, Lord Jesus, can you please bring me home today? Because there's no reason. Because I, I surely ain't, I don't intend on sharing my faith, so take me up out of here. But I'm going to assume the best, that we're not that way. So yours might be as simple as, you know, invite them to church. Hey, you got a church home? You just moved in my neighborhood. I saw you. Hey, I want you to go to this church right down the road. It's a great church, great people. And the pastor, woo, he is off the hook good. Okay. I'm a little insecure, so yeah, pray with me. Uh, so, or, you know, your could be, hey, how many times do people, they spill open, they talk to you, and they tell you their problem? How many you got people that you love? And people that, that, that may not even be in the kingdom, but they just talk to you and they spill, they're bleeding all over you about all of their problems. How many know that's an opportunity right there for you to let them know that Jesus can help them? How can you let somebody come in your presence broken, wounded, and hurting, and you don't even mention Jesus? 
How many know that's an opportunity wasted? It may be, hey, hand them a track. We got tracks out there. Grab some of them, put them in your pocket. The pastor, I don't know how to initiate. Just hand them a track. Who knows what God to do it? In other words, take the initiative. Take the initiative in Jesus' name. Now, here's another thing that Jesus did in verse number five. Look at this. Uh, no, actually, in verses 10 through 14. Jesus used her drawn water as an object lesson to show her what she really needed. Did you hear that? Jesus used her drawing of water as an object lesson to show her what she really needed. How many know Jesus was really good at that, right? He would always use the natural to explain the spiritual. So, so here's what I'm trying to get you to see. So all we got to do is do what he did. So here it is in verses 10 through 14. Look at verse number 10. And so, um, so Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. How many know that's good water? How many know that's good water? He said, you drink of this water, you'll never thirst. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So here's what Jesus simply did. Jesus met them where they are. How many know that a lot of times you're going to be having an effect with people? We've got to meet them where they are. See, y'all know for an example, y'all know that I do extraditions, right? Everybody know what an extradition is, right? That's when I, trans- I transport uh, someone who violated the law. I transport them back to Fairfax County. That's my job. And, you know, a lot of times they, they sit down there and talk to me. And, you know, and all, all the time they're sitting there with handcuffs on, right? So, and you know what they're talking to me about? Freedom. Freedom. I said, man, well, you know, a lot of times, here's what I say. I said, well, you know, um, you can really get set free. I said, see, the reason why you're in chains on the outside is because you need to be set free on the inside. And so when I talk to them, I use the natural to explain the spiritual. So in other words, I meet them where they are. See, a lot of times we can't relate because we come talking. We, sometimes we can be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we got to be able to be able to, listen, you got to live in the world, don't you? You got to know something about the world. You should know who Beyonce is or Jay-Z. I'm not saying follow, I'm just saying you need to have some knowledge of who folks are. You need to have knowledge of who the, it's funny, the other day they did a poll and they said a huge number of people don't even know who the vice president is. I said, what? Like, what? How can you not know? How many of the children of God ought to be wiser than the children of this world? And we ought to be wise because we, because listen, we do our homework. We study. And so, so listen to me. Use and I, you know, I go golfing. I love to golf. So when people are well, on the golf course, I'm golfing with strangers. Oftentimes when you set up a tee time, if you go by yourself, you don't even know who you're going to partner with. So golfing is a great evangelistic opportunity. That's what I tell my wife. So that's baby, let me go because I can share Jesus with somebody. So, um, that's the truth, but I mean, I know it sounds self-serving, but it, 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 there's truth in that. So, so, so a lot of times guys hit bad shots. Inevitably, people are going to hit bad shots on the golf course. And, and I say, well, you know what? And I always say, yeah. I say, you know what? And, and, and a lot of times I see them with their head hung down. I can't believe. I said, brother, I, you know, just like the Lord says, man, you know, he'll give you grace. That when, that listen, when you hit one bad shot, you got to forget those things which are behind. You got to move forward to those things are behind. See, this is the way it is in the Christian life. You're going to have fall. You're going to fall that time. You're going to make mistakes, but you just need to get back up and, and you need to reach forward. What am I doing? 
I'm meeting them where they're at. Jesus was a master at that. Amen. And how many know we ought to follow suit? Jesus, okay, five minutes. Can I get five? Uh, okay, five, six. 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 Can I get six? I, I, I know I'm going over a little bit, but this is, I mean, give me six. Please, please. I'm begging. Please. Okay. All right, please. Please help me. Jesus managed the rabbit trails and kept her own point. How many know, look at verse number 19, uh, verse number 19 and 20. Uh, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I think. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you say, Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you are neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiper, everybody say true worshiper. To true worshipers, they worship God in spirit. They don't just worship God at 75 month here lane. I just thought I'd drop that in. I just throw that in there. All right? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him what? In spirit and in truth. Now, how many know that sometimes when you're sharing your faith with somebody, the people want to take you on rabbit trails? You know, stuff like, hey, by the way, where did God come from? Or how many kids did Adam and Eve have? Y'all ever got no question? Oh, was, the, was that really a fish that swallowed Jonah, or was it a whale? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Rabbit trails. Let me tell you, this woman, here she, here she goes. She goes, well, her first thing was natural, right? Well, well, you know, because the Jews and the Samaritans had this thing, you know, because the Samaritans kind of went off and did their own custom, their own way of worship, and so there was a divide. And so she wanted to get in an argument with Jesus about, about what y'all believe and what we believe. And, but I like how Jesus neutralized the conversation. Jesus said, look, woman, I'm going to tell you the truth. The hour, it don't matter what lo- location ain't nothing. The true worshiper will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. In other words, neither one of the mountains and neither one of the locations is that important or really important at all because true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. And when Jesus said that, watch this, he managed the rabbit trails. How many know that if you're going to share your faith, don't let people waste your time talking crazy. Now, if you want to talk crazy because you just want to talk crazy, talk crazy. But if you really got important things to do, don't let people take you on some roller coaster ride because your time is valuable. And the Bible says, do not cast your pearl before what? Don't do it. How many minutes I got? Four and a half? <laughs> okay. Yeah, y'all, you just, just got to keep going. All right. How many know that Jesus didn't worry about the criticism of other people? How many know that when you start, listen to me, when you start talking to a prostitute or you start witnessing to a criminal, or you start witnessing to somebody who's black, somebody who's white, somebody who's poor, somebody who's rich, somebody who's mistreated you, somebody who took advantage of you. How many know there's always somebody in the background saying, why are you doing that? Do you know they came back and they said to Jesus in verse number uh, 27, they said, um, I mean John 27, John chapter 4 verse 27, they said to him, at this point disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. In other words, they, they, they said, what are you doing, Jesus? How many know Jesus won't care, didn't care about their criticism? How many know you, listen, when God gives you a mandate, you just can't worry about what everybody else thinks. Come on, if you're going to be controlled by what everybody else thinks, you're going to be a miserable person. You, you say amen. amen. You, you, can't, you can't be, Jesus didn't worry about the criticism. And then lastly, this woman, watch this. I got to finish quick. This woman who had an encounter with Jesus, watch this. 
she became a powerful evangelist. Look at verse number 29 in John chapter 4. She, here's what she said. See, if you don't know what else to say, how do you know that, that you don't always have to have a whole, a big old theological advantage, right? Here's what this woman said. This little woman probably ain't know much Bible. She had been with five husbands. She had a whole bunch of them. She'd been around. Hear me. And here's what she said. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? What's theological about that? How much school did she have to get to have to say that? None. She just went out. She said, come, come see. We talk about women and her enthusiasm. Her enthusiasm was so great. Her enthusiasm was so great that, that everybody came like, man, this woman been changed. I mean, because she's jumping and she look at her. But, but see, if you can't go there, say, hey, come, come to church. You know, here, if you want to come, if you like it. You know, I don't know how you feel, but if you got time. I mean, no, you need to come. I, I mean, no, if I come to you like this, hey, you need to come. God is, God is doing Amen. something. I need to, listen, Amen. I'm telling you, you touch my life. You need to come. I mean, no, she might come. The woman said, you need to come. I'm sure all them brothers were thinking, what's going on with her? I know where she was, but boy, she is on fire right now. What did verse 39, somebody read verse 39 for me real loud. What did verse 39 say? Wow. Okay, here, y'all, look up. We're finished, but look up. Jesus' encounter with this one woman the Bible says he, he felt the urge that he needed to go through Samaria. His one encounter with that woman affected a whole city. Amen. The Bible says many in that city. I'll give you the, the other day, the other day, the other day, so I had this 911 ceremony. Uh, we, I, I was at the, uh, the courthouse down, and, you know, they asked me to do the invocation. So there was the board of supervisors there, there was the, the, the sheriffs were there, there was the, 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 the executive for this Wildwater district, uh, he was there. And so I'm talking with all these people. And you know what I'm thinking the whole time? All I got to do is get one. Amen. This is how I think. The one, how many know that one person can change a city? Y'all, y'all, you see, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't with me, because that was your chance to get it. You see, this woman, because of the one encounter, Jesus talked with her, and that one woman affected a whole city. You not know that you can that you can have one encounter with one person that will radically not only just change this church, but change this city. Because some people got citywide. How I many know it's all about connections? Amen. See, sometimes there are people that you may know, you may communicate with, that got power, and they can connect you on a larger scale. But see, we got to think like that. We can't be thinking like, oh, I want to share my faith. You got to talk to people. Get out there and do it. Why? Because we want citywide influence. Amen? Amen. Okay, I, I did four, five minutes, five, I did four and a half. I, I finished. I, was I faithful? Amen. <laughs> every, 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 every eye is closed, every head is bowed. Amen, amen, amen. Father, I know we laughed a little bit, Lord, but Father, we're serious about this thing. God, we want to change the world. God, in fact, we want to be like that woman. We want to change our city. God, that one woman. God, I pray that you would stir the faith of people in this room to believe that, God, that there can be a, such an encounter, that we can have such an encounter with somebody, that, 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 Lord, that we can change a whole city. 
God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, give us citywide influence, oh God. Give us boldness, oh God. Give us wisdom, oh God. God, let us, Lord, take your example of your encounter with the woman on the well and step out of our comfort zones, oh God. Father, we renounce prejudice, God. We renounce, Father God, uh, 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 fear and, and doubt and unbelief. But God, you died that people might have life Father, and our number one mission, oh God, is to preach the gospel of the kingdom. God, don't let us get so comfortable. God, don't, God please protect us from uh, God just, just going through the motions, oh God. Forgive us, Lord. We don't want to be just going through the motions, God, but we want to be a people with purpose and making a difference. And if you're sitting here this morning, I pray, I pray you need to know if you don't know today, if you die this second and you cannot say with certainty, I know that if I die today, that I will be in his presence forever, that, that I will go and be with Jesus. I know I'm saved. I, John, John wrote in, in 1 John, he, he wrote that, that these things uh, uh, were written that you might know you have salvation. You are supposed to know. And if you don't know this morning, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. This is, listen to me, this is serious. This is, a, this is about eternity. This is about where your soul is going to end up. It's going to end up in either heaven or hell. And, and, and there is no turning back. If you don't know Jesus, death in Hades awaits every person. This is the urgency by which that compels us to preach. And if you don't know him today, you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I want to get saved. God's been dealing with me. I, I want to get right. If that's you this morning, slip your hand up. For God's sake, for Jesus' sake, I beg you, I implore you, slip your hand up. Give your life to him today. Don't play with him no more. His love is too deep. His love is too deep. His grace is all sufficient. His, he paid a heavy price so that you can have life eternally. The Bible says if you hear his voice, if you hear his voice, I don't care if you've been faking that you've been saved, but you ain't really saved. You, this is for you too. You know where your hearts are. If you're not right with God, if you've never given your life to Jesus, don't worry about the person beside you. You need to just run up here. Just run up here and give your life. I want to I invite you to come to the altar today. I want to invite you to come to the altar today and give your life to Jesus. Give your, is there one? You say, Pastor, I'm ready to get right. I'm ready to go all the way. I receive this. I receive it. I receive it. I want to be with him forever. I want to live my life for him. I want to serve him all the days of my life. I want to put back that old life. I'm sick and tired of being in and out of sin. I'm sick and tired. I want to go all the way. Is there one today who want to do it for Jesus? Come on, slip your hand up. He says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Everyone Jesus ever called, you always called them publicly. He always called him out. He's calling you out this morning. He knows your heart. That's you this morning. That's you. That's you. Now, if you, you, hallelujah, hallelujah. I see that hand. Is there another one? Hallelujah. Is there another one? Is there another one? You know where you are with God. Come on. I know the Holy Spirit. I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to somebody else. You, 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 the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody else in this room. Somebody else in this room. I, I sense it in my spirit. You're not right with God. You know you're not right with God. 
Let's get it right today. Let's give our life to Jesus today. Let's, let's go deep. Let's, 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 let's put it aside. Let's go. Let's go all the way with Jesus. He died for you. He died for you. He died for you. He died for you. Not just coming to church save you, but it's a relationship. It's about a relationship. Do you know him this morning? If you don't, slip your hand. Anybody, is there another? Is there another? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the man in the back that you raised his hand to come on up forward, brother. Come on, give him a hand of encouragement as he comes. Come on, give him a hand of encouragement as he comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. How are you doing? What's your name? Perrin? Perrin, this is your day. This is, this is a great day. God's been chasing you for a long time, hasn't he? He's been on your back, hasn't he? He finally caught you. You can't duck him. You can't hide him. You know why? Because his love is too deep. His love is too rich. He laid a table out just for you. And he wants you to know. You might, have a, you might have knowledge, but he wants your heart. Today will be different because you're going to give him your heart. Is that what you want to do today? Is that what you want to do? Say, I need you, I need you praying with me. Amen. Nobody moving, nobody walking, nobody talking. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. That's right, brother. Lift your hands up. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for pairing this morning. God, you know exactly what every person needs, God. Father God, you knew this man before the foundations of the earth. And God, you decided in your sovereignty to bring him into your kingdom today. God, we are praying with our brother, God, that you will show him, Father God, how great and how awesome, Lord God. God, show him a picture this morning. God, reveal to him in his spirit, oh God, how awesome, Lord God, it will be, and it is, to taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Father, I thank you for your word, God. Your word is like a hammer. God, your word is like a hammer. It shatters, it breaks things, it breaks strongholds, God. I pray you will break every stronghold in my brother. I pray, God, you will set him free. Father, I pray that everything that's tried to hold this man back, oh God, I pray that you will get a hold of him, that you will protect him, and that, God, that you will set this man free in the name of Jesus, Lord. Who the Son says free is free indeed. God set him free today by your own glory, oh God. By your own glory, by your own power, for salvation is of you, oh God. God, we thank you for our brother this morning. Now, brother, I want you to repeat after me. Nice and loud. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your son. I thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for my, for my sins. Lord Jesus, save me. Wash me in your blood. Make me new. Forgive me of all of my sins. I'm putting my past behind me. I'm moving forward. I am a new creation. I am a new creature. I got new hopes. I got new dreams. You made me afresh a new Holy Spirit, empower me, come inside of me, use me, fill me for your glory. Thank you for saving me 
right now. I receive it. I'm your son forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a praise, God. Hallelujah. Come here, brother. Now, I got a couple of brothers that are going to... Uh, They're going to give you some information, talk with you a little bit, get some more information about you. Brother, welcome to Amen, amen, amen. Come on, you can do better. Now give God a praise. I told you before, that's why stand up, sister. Everybody stand up. I, I told you before that the Bible said there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. He came up here because the Holy Ghost touched him. You don't just walk up here like that. He did because the Holy Ghost touched him. So you ought to give God a higher praise than what you gave him. That's right. This is a good day. Amen. Amen. See, what the devil meant for evil, God flipped it for good.